uh, every quarter, we try to do something we call on the wall. And, uh, and that's called, uh, that's in Isaiah. Pastor was away praying, and the Lord gave him that uh, phrase. And he said for us to uh, uh, set aside some time to uh, pray and be in the presence of God and do some things, some assignments that the Lord has given us. And so I believe that's one of those tonight. And then one of the times that pastor was away praying, I don't remember if it was, they were home praying or they were away because they go away at least twice a year. They try to and, and spend some time in the presence of the Lord and get direction, you know, for what's ahead and all of that. And uh, in one of those times, the Lord said to him, uh, he said, why are you mad at the harvest? And I think that I don't know that he, he was talking to him specifically, but the body of Christ in general. Why are you mad at the harvest? They're just acting out of their nature of who they are. And, uh, and he said, you're alienating yourself from the very people I sent you to minister to. And he said that because uh, the body was angry or upset or whatever about that. And so uh, there are a lot of things going on in the world today. Would you agree with that? <laughs> There's a lot of things going on in the world today. But you know, when Jesus came the first time, he came not for the nations of the world per se. And we, we uh, support the nations of the world. We have 16 missionaries that we support around the world. But when he came, he came for people. He didn't come just for nations in general. And the nations in Revelation, it tells us that the nations will be judged later. But Jesus came for people. Amen. We were one of those peoples right. at one time. And we were like the harvest. We were sitting in darkness. We were acting a fool. We were acting crazy. And thank God he sent somebody to minister to us, to take us out of darkness and bring the marvelous light to us. Amen. And so we can't be mad at them because we were once them. And now he's changed us, yeah. and we can't go, y'all some bad folks out here. You need to go to hell. <laughs> no, if that was the case, that would be our judgment as well. And so the Lord has sent, he came, and he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. The reason why we're not out of here already is because he has had long patience waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. And not always do the precious fruit of the earth behave in a, in a nice manner. The other morning I was driving in uh, for our early morning prayer, and um, I live about five miles from here. And usually it's a pretty easy commute. And uh, this particular morning, this guy, I'm in the left lane, and he's inching up beside me, and if I get a little ahead of him, he speeds up to keep me from changing lanes. And so I didn't know what I did to make him mad, but he made me mad that morning. Now I'm coming in to pray. And I'm, I'm mad at the harvest. <laughs> and so, uh, so I get in, you know, come in on two wheels and get in the uh, in my office and everything, and we get to pray. <laughs> and while I'm praying, the Lord said, are you going to forgive that guy or not? I went, why are you exposing me right here in front of everybody in prayer? 
was at the beginning of our talk. I said, sorry, guys, I'm running a little behind. I don't know what was happening to this guy, you know, da-da-da-da-da, and then went right on into prayer. And I didn't get very far, but he said, are you going to take care of this? And so right in front of them, <laughs> I took care of it. Sorry, guys, I got to forgive this guy. And I prayed for him that God would bless his day and whatever on so I could go on. <clears throat> so I know what you're talking about. I know what pastor's talking about, about being mad at the harvest, you know. And so, but uh, we as the body of Christ, God is expecting something from us. And so he, um, and we can look at how we are to behave about how he was in the earth as the first body of Christ. Amen. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. So the title of my message tonight is represent. Represent. And so um, anything that's going to be done in the earth to change people's lives, to bring them to Christ, uh, to get them the fullness of what the benefits that he died for is going to come through the church, which is his body, which we are. The church, which is his body. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You know, there's nothing like being in, in God's presence like this atmosphere we were just in. And in uh, that place, I don't know if it happens to you, but in that place and being with him, sometimes he shows up uh, blemishes or things that, you know, like, <laughs> like uh, not forgiving that guy. And, uh, you know, he shows up things in our life, uh, shines the light on things, I'll say it that way, that we need to take care of. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you that you get dressed and maybe in your closet or what have you, and then you run out to work and then you're in a brighter light and you look down and you see that you probably shouldn't have worn that blouse or that shirt today because it has a stain on it. And why did you see it before? Because you didn't have as much light as you needed to take care of that. But now that you've been exposed to more light, and the word says in his light we see light, so when we're in his light, it shows up things in our character, it shows up things in our attitudes, shows up things in our unforgiveness that we need to take care of. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 5, uh, 8. And I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, guys. If you could put that up. <clears throat> For once you were full of darkness... But now you have the light from the Lord. And the New King James says in, in that passage, you are light. Not that you have light, but you are light. We are light. So live as people of light. <laughs> Stop being mad at the harvest. Live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Now, if we stop right there, we feel empowered to go out and go, you got darkness in you. I'm going to talk to you about your darkness. If we stop right there where it says to expose darkness, we... Uh, <laughs> Let's go home. <laughs> we feel justified to jump on people or uh, harass them. You need to change, that kind of thing. And that's not of the spirit of who we are. Amen. In verse 12, it says, um, 
It is shameful even to talk about the things that are ungodly, that ungodly people do in secret. Verse 13, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. So rather than talking to people about what's going on in their life, it says shine the light. Shine the light on it. For the, uh, for the light makes everything visible. Verse 13 in the New King James, it says, but all things that are exposed are made manifest in the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And then it goes on to say, this is why it is said, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So rather than calling out the darkness, shine the light. Rather than yelling at your TV and your social media <laughs> and whatever else, turn on the light. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we've had something that's happened to us. You know, I, um, I was not in the military and I have family that was in the military in different wars and things. And uh, so I uh, am not don't know about that kind of thing. And we have wars that have been fought on other uh, soil, not necessarily during my lifetime here in the United States. But uh, we, uh, so people have had different experience of things happening in the world. But we've had something that's happened in the last two years, three, almost three years now, that has been common to everybody on the planet. Everyone has experienced 2020, uh -huh. right? And it puts us on a level playing ground, so to speak, that we all are in a position where we have to trust God. And when 2020, March 15, 2020, never forget it. When the announcement was made, we're shutting down the nation. Shut down the nation? What does that even mean? So it never in my lifetime had I ever heard that terminology used, we're going to shut down the nation. And in the past, when other pandemics had happened, you know, people say, well, I'm over 50 or I'm 60. And I remember when this pandemic happened, maybe in a certain region or something, but no one has experienced, to the best of our knowledge, something happening to the entire planet at one time. And through it all, we probably didn't necessarily handle it in some aspects the best way we could have, right? right? And uh, so with that, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We are the church, which is his body. So Ephesians 5, 23, and I'll read this out of New King James, guys. For the husband is the head of the wife, and also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word. So um, I'll go and read the last and come back. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
So it, it says in the, uh, verse 23 that Christ is the head of the church and the savior of the body. He is the head of the church and the savior of the body. And how does he save the body? It says that he might sanctify her and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Not by yelling at her. He doesn't uh, cleanse his body. Do you do that to your body? Do you yell at your body if something's not right in your body? Well. When he saw blemishes or he saw something that wasn't right, it said he sanctified and cleansed her with the washing of the water of the word. That he might present her. Present who? Present the church. A glorious church unto himself. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Um, Let's turn to Matthew chapter 14. So we can look at Jesus, and Jesus is, or Jesus was, the body of Christ that was walking on the earth at the time that he was alive in the earth. And so to us, he is a prototype to us of how to behave, how to navigate this world, how to do things, how to not do things. He is our example. And he says to be ye imitators of me, right? And so we're to be imitators of him. And so, you know, with the pandemic and during, during that time, not only did we have a pandemic, we also had uh, racial unrest in our nation due to someone being killed uh, unjustly. We uh, experienced financial difficulty during that year. There was a health crisis that was going on, political nonsense that was going on. So there was all kinds of things that were happening. And not only was it, uh, again, affecting the world, but it was affecting the body of Christ as well. And so Jesus, in his earthly walk, he embodied the body of Christ. So what he saw, he saw through his eyes. What he touched, he touched through his hands. What he heard, he heard through his ears. What he um, you know, experienced in his body, it says in Matthew 9, that when he looked out on the uh, the Uh, sheep he saw uh, on the multitudes he saw sheep without a shepherd he saw and then it says that he heard and then it says he had compassion he saw the condition they were in he heard their cry going up before the Lord and he had compassion on them so that's a pattern of what how we can operate Uh, as the body of Christ, we are all the body of Christ, that when we see the world in the condition that they are, we see them as sheep without a shepherd. We see them sitting in darkness. We see them without Christ in their life. We hear their cry because they don't always know what they're crying. I remember being a teenager crying out to God, not even knowing what to ask for that there was dissatisfaction, that there was something in my life that I knew wasn't right. And I just, in my bedroom, cried out to the Lord, are you real? 
Are you there? Can you hear me? And he showed up in my room and I said, okay, that's enough. <laughs> so he showed me he was real. And so when we experience things, we all have experienced something, but when we experience things, how do we respond to them as the body of Christ? So let's look at Jesus on a bad day. Let's see how Jesus handled a bad day. So in Matthew 14, let's start at verse 10. <clears throat> so he went, he sent, and just, you just hang with me, all right? So he sent and had John the Baptist beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to a girl, and she brought it to her mother. Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. So we look at this account, and there's a pretty heinous thing that's going on. And even the reason why it, the act itself of them beheading him is awful, but the way that it happened was that they were having drunken orgies in, in Herod's command or castle or a kingdom, whatever you want to call it. And so Herodias is dancing before him. And, um, and so he says in his drunken stupor, I'll give you half of my kingdom. I'll give you anything you ask for. And so she goes to her mother and asks, what should I ask for? And she said, John the Baptist's head. So this took place in debauchery. This took a place in um, uh, lasciviousness where no boundaries were concerned, no concern for somebody's life. And it even says a little bit later that he regretted that he did it. Which points to you don't make decisions, life decisions while you're drunk. He was in no condition to do that. So this is a heinous, awful, terrible debauchery uh, of a thing. And then in verse 13 it says, and when Jesus heard it, Jesus said, that's it. I have had it. I am going over there and I'm taking care of Herod myself. I'm going to gather my disciples together and I'm going to take care of this. Was that the spirit that came out of Jesus when he heard it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tear down this kingdom. I'm going to go in there and raid the kingdom. I'm going to go in there and take over because I'm going to be king anyway. All right. <laughs> Might as well exercise it now. And when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. So when Jesus got bad news, when a bad day occurred from him, instead of him responding in his flesh, he got in a boat and departed to a desert place by himself. He, I'm sure, was thinking, if I'm going to represent my father the right way, if I'm going to fulfill for what I was born to do, if I'm going to fulfill redemption, i got to get away somewhere by myself. I've got to get in the presence of my Father to know how to respond to this. Yes, yes. He went inward. Yes. 
He went to a place where he can get, Daddy, <laughs> I'm not feeling good right now. What, do you see what's happened? I need your wisdom. I need to know what to, do, what to do. I need to know how to respond in this situation right now. And so he departed from there by boat to a desert place by himself. And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. <laughs> he just heard that his cousin, his beloved cousin, by the way, his forerunner cousin that were going ahead of him, he just heard that he had been unjustly killed. And the multitudes are following him from city to city, and when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. Again, him seeing through his eyes a great multitude. Jesus was trying to get some time alone to calibrate, recalibrate, if you want to say it that way, to get right with God in him. And then the multitudes come. And let's see what he did. Y'all go away. I just heard about my cousin. I don't have time for this. I need to be alone with the Father. Did he say that? And when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. He didn't react to Herod. He didn't act to his environment and what was going around. Jesus went, when he got bad news, when he was having a bad day, he went into the presence of Father. He went and got alone, and he recalibrated on the inside of him. And while he's doing that, others heard about what had happened, and they're following him. But in that time of him getting alone with God, in that time with him recalibrating, in that time of him being alone, he had something to give out. Rather than something in his flesh, he had something to give out. So he reacted to the father rather than reacting to uh, Herod. But this is not the end of the story. Verse 15. When it was evening, so he heard about this early in the day, He's uh, ministered to the multitudes. He's, uh, you know, ministered healing to them, uh, <laughs> had compassion on them. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away. And they, that they may go to the villages and buy themselves food. So the multitudes are there. They followed him after they heard about the beheading of John the Baptist. They've been with him. He's ministered to them. He's ministered healing, signs and wonders and miracles. People, have, their bodies have been changed. They've been out all day. The, the ministry line was long. And it's evening now, and they're hungry. And the disciples got the solution to the problem. We're going to send them to town. But Jesus didn't say that. And send their multitudes away that they may go to the villages and buy themselves some food. We ain't going to feed them. Go to town. Go to Chick-fil-A. 
Get your own food. Go to Outback. Get your own food. And, but Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. You go buy Chick-fil-A. <laughs> you get some nuggets. You get a platter and bring it back and you feed them. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and he took the loaves and he took the fish looking up to heaven. He blessed them and broke them and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciple gave to the multitudes. So this is the account where we sometimes pull out of context. This is where the feeding of the 5,000 happened. But the feeding of the 5,000 happened in the day where his day started off by hearing about his cousin. It started off by him hearing about his cousin being beheaded, killed unjustly. Then he goes away to be by himself to get recharged. Then he's ministering to the multitudes, and now they're hungry, and he's feeding them. And so, <clears throat> and, uh, so they all ate and were filled, and they looked up, uh, took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. And now those had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So not even just the 5,000 men, there were women and children in addition to that. But, so he gets that done, but the day ain't over yet. Verse 22, immediately. So <laughs> we've ministered to the multitudes and get them healed, and then we feed them. And then immediately, something else happens. <laughs> Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. While he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain to pray to, uh, by himself to pray. So again, He's, he's finding, okay, I got to go back. I got to get recalibrated again. I've given out today. I've ministered to all the multitudes. We fed them. Do you know how long it takes to feed 5,000? We sit down in 50s and 100s, but I don't want to sit here in this 50. I want to sit in that 50. Go back and sit in that 50. That's where I counted you. I got to count everybody out. But that's my friend. I want to sit with my friend right there. You can go sit with your friend later, but sit right here so I can get everybody count. So they got to deal with all of that. So, you know, it took longer than just breaking bread and passing it around because you got to have them sit down. And then people don't want to sit down where you tell them to sit down. That's right. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat, go, to, uh, go before him to the other side. And when he sent the multitudes away, and when he sent the multitudes away, uh, he went up to the mountain to pray and be by himself. And this is how, you notice, he keeps going back to a solitude place. He keeps going back to the presence of the Lord. He keeps going back to his Father when all of this is going on out here. Where does he go first? He goes back to the Father. He goes up to the mountain by himself to pray. And 
he is the body of Christ. So many people in the world are trying to find their identity right now. And if you're born again, your identity is in him. There's no more male nor female, no more bond or free. Uh, we are in him. We are in the body of Christ. Amen. The, your highest identity is I am a born again Christian. I am a Christ-like one is my highest identity. Me being a female, even though that might be in board, is not more important than who I am in Christ. Me being a black female is not more important than my identity in Christ. My identity in Jesus is higher than any other designation that can be given to me. And that is the, the lens of how I am to operate on the earth. That is the identity that I am to operate in the earth is through I am in Christ. The in Christ realities. I am in him, Jesus, in John 17. says that I pray to the Father on behalf of you, and you are in, you are in him, and you are in me, and we are in him, and all of us are messed together. Amen? We are in Christ. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, when uh, all of this was happening in 2020, you know, just like you, fear tried to grip. So I got along to a solitude place. I have a uh, upstairs room, bonus room upstairs in my house. And uh, that's where, <laughs> there's where my place to get along with God was. And so I went into that room and I said, Lord, with everything that's going on in the world, what is my part in all of this? And he said, preach my word and build my kingdom. Amen. That's what he said. He didn't say, get in there and fight, fight, fight. Get in there and get mad. Get in there and organize. Get in there and do all these things. He said, preach my gospel and build my kingdom. Because in the end, that's all that matters anyway. We are on the earth to populate heaven and plunder hell. And while we're fighting with one another and while we're fighting politics and while we're fighting everything else, people are gone into eternity every two seconds. Two more. Two more. Across this world, eight billion people almost, people are slipping into eternity while we're posturing, while we're fighting. What did the first body of Christ do on a bad day? He got in the presence of God to navigate his way. And he is the prototype. He is the example that we're to imitate. Not everything else out here. Because <laughs> not everything out here is sure. Uh, everything else out here changes. God said he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And with that, you can't miss because you know how he's going to be. Amen. Verse 24. It says, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea. So he's along on the mountain. Now the boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, 
Now I looked up, but for whatever reason that stood out to me, the fourth watch. So earlier in the day, he heard about John. He healed the multitudes. He fed the multitudes. He's away trying to recalibrate. <sighs> Let me take a breath. Get along by myself with the Lord. And then, obviously by the Spirit or somehow he sees, a storm comes up out on the sea. The fourth watch of the night is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Jesus went to them at 3 o'clock in the morning. Why are y'all out on the water at 3 o'clock in the morning? They're fishermen. So I asked the Lord, that, why are they out there this time of night? And he said, they're fishermen. Fishermen uh, fish at night because the fish come up to the surface at night and they can catch more at night because in the, in the, during the day, they go down further in the dark. So I went, okay, all right. They're out there fishing. They're doing their job. <laughs> I'm getting mad at them. Why are they out there? But Jesus went to them walking on the water. And this is another story that we pull out, but it's in the context of a bad day that Jesus had. The same day. <laughs> Same 24 hours. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. Don't you like that in the middle of your storm? Amen. That Jesus comes walking. And he tells you, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then Peter answered to him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so here's something else. That's another supernatural. And think about this. When he heard about John, he pulled away to a quiet place in the boat. And then he supernaturally ministered to the multitudes, healing. Then he supernaturally broke bread and fish and gave it to them, and they ate. And now he's inviting Peter into another supernatural incident in the course of that day. But it ain't over then. And so he said, come. He said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried out saying lord save me and immediately jesus reached stretched out his hand caught him and said oh ye of little faith why did you doubt and when he got into the boat watch this when he got into the boat the wind ceased something else supernatural happened happening how was jesus able to give out supernaturally like that because he realized that he, how he responded to every situation represented the Father. He said, if you see me, you see the Father. He was his representation. He represented the Father to us. That's one of the things they got mad with him about. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Going, okay, you're equalizing yourself with God. And they didn't like that very much. And so here it is, our prototype, so to speak, 
uh, that's ministering to us. So again, still not over. They still not over. Verse 33. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. You walked on water. You picked up Peter. The wind ceased. You are God. <laughs> and then verse 34. And they crossed over. They came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the region. So here he is in the 24 hours that he's found out about his cousin. He's ministered <laughs> to the healing to the multitudes. He's fed the multitudes. He's rescued these folks that were out on the water at 3 o'clock in the morning. The winds cease, and then they see him. They went, he's the one. Go tell everybody. <laughs> Go tell everybody. And so they went out in all the surrounding region, brought to him all who were sick, and begged him that they might only touch him, the hem of his garment, and that as many as, it, as touched it were made perfectly well. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What if Jesus had acted in his flesh towards Herod that day? Not only would he have not represented the father well, but he had, would have had to work because it said there was no sin in him. None, no sin in him. He would have forfeited the right to be our sacrifice, to be our redeemer. He had to count the cost of his anger. He had to count the consequence of him acting out in the flesh. This is the first body of Christ that walked on the earth. And because he lived not thinking about himself, he lived thinking about the Father, and he lived thinking about us. He wanted to please the Father, and he wanted his brothers and sisters back. And he was our only way. So what if he decided to live willy-nilly and do whatever he wanted to do and whatever my flesh likes doing and, you know, cuss somebody out or, you know, whatever. What if, he, what if he acted that way? We would not be here today. Amen. And because him living to please the Father, because he lived for us, we have redemption. We have a right now to come into the presence of God. We have a right now to go behind the veil. We are born again and we're on our way to heaven because of the way he lived. Now because of the way he lived, he is our example and he expects us to live the way he did. Not only does he represent the Father, but we represent the Father now. And so when people are looking at us, when we say we're born again, when we say we're Christians, when we say we're spirit-filled, we got, we got the word of faith, we, we got the whole counsel of the word of God, and then we're acting like the devil. Where are you living? Where are we living? I mean, God called call me on the carpet for my attitude towards somebody driving next to me. 
I didn't, I didn't yell at him. I, you know, I didn't, he called me on the carpet, a short leash. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the body of Christ that walked upon the earth, he's our identity. He's who we measure ourselves against. Um, <clears throat> Brother Hagan, uh, who was the president over uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, who's the president of the Bible school where uh, pastors, myself, and Pastor Robert, there are others uh, here in the congregation that graduated from there. And, um, and so uh, they called him the, uh, the father of the modern faith movement. Uh, those, are, those are titles he didn't give himself. He get, other people gave to him. But um, <clears throat> he went to heaven in 2003. And just recently, it was during the year of COVID, uh, that COVID hit 2020. Someone uh, that was on his staff at the time was interviewed someone that was on the previous staff. And, uh, and so they asked him a question. And I want to play this video, and I want you to watch it for just a second. I ask this uh, question often to those who were close to Brother Hagen. If Brother Hagen was alive right now, and seeing everything that's happening right now in the world, how do you think he would respond to everything that's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, he would respond the way sons of God respond who are mature in the Lord. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Um, he wasn't real reactive. Okay. That's good. Yes, ma'am. He, uh, as, as far as the world around him, he wasn't reactive. Yes, he would listen to his heart. Thank you. Yes. And That's he good. would, he would go first in. Okay. And listen to what God was saying, what God was saying. Yes, Not just what every, not the whole world was good. saying. What is God yes. saying? Yes. Because he had this, he had this clearly. He was to represent what God was saying. He had to express what God was saying and yes. not just pass on what other people were saying. Wow, that's, that's helping good. us. Yes, that's helping us. Yes. And mm -hmm. so uh, I saw him on uh, on occasions when, you know, one time the, a particular minister had fallen. Yes. And... Um, Tony can tell you about this. He was there in that meeting. He told me about this, but I'm going to steal this one. <laughs> this is in the and 80s. Uh, Are you talking about something around the 80s? Yeah, a, a minister had fallen, and uh, there were TV people that had come to Brother Hagen's meeting wow. to get his take on it, you know. Sure. Oh, what, what are you saying about this minister? And uh, all Brother Hagen preached on that night was so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. <laughs> Whew. So, um, yeah, he just, he'd, he'd burrow into God during time that, that like that and yes. refused to be a part of just the, the voices, the many voices of the world. Uh, it's an opportunity to strike a, a very clear tone Yes. And uh, God doesn't change. And so he represented that a lot. 
I love that. So anyway, Tony said that those, and maybe Annie's told you the same story, um, or if you've had, maybe, maybe Patrick was there too. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But um, those television people left in the middle of the service because they saw that they weren't going to get a scoop on Dad. <laughs> so, Wonderful. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I love that about him. Hallelujah. Another example, I mean, he's not Jesus, but <laughs> another example. Um, he's had many books written by him. He has newspaper articles and all kinds of things said about him, but he never reacted to them. Um, he would tell his staff, because they always wanted him, you know, to, to respond to something and to clear up things, and he'd say, you know, I've been, uh, I've been written about about bigger spurts than experts than they are. You know, those are the little spurts. He said, I've, been, I've had better, bigger experts that were, have written about me. You know, and so even with that, somebody uh, marring your reputation. He didn't respond. So let's stand. We know that the first body of Christ finished his mission, what he was sent here in the earth to do. And we, the church who is his body, we have a mission on the earth to do, and that is to bring back or cause to come into being the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we should uh, be mission-minded we should uh, uh, be mindful of who we belong to uh, when we react to things or respond to things. We, uh, remember, you know, if at your job you told people you're a Christian and you act unbecomingly, they're equating that to God. They're equating that to who you, re you say you represent who I say I represent. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. So, Father, we just come before you tonight. We thank you for showing us this in your word, that Jesus even experienced a bad day, a day when a family member was unjustly and wrongly killed, murdered, but even in that, he showed us the example of who to be and how to be in this world, ultimately showing us the Father. Father, we just ask you, as the body of Christ, help us represent you well. As the time is drawing closer to the end and people are looking for hope, they're looking for a way out, they're looking for their lives to be altered, to be changed, they're looking to the future, what's gonna happen in the future. They're in fear and we are your agents of change here in the earth to point them to you. Help us, Father God, 
in different situations that we may come up against that are uncomfortable, that are just outright wrong. Remind us of this example of Jesus to look inward. How do we handle this? How do we respond as the body of Christ? Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? And not respond out of our flesh, not respond out of our soul, but Father, being conscious of the fact that we represent heaven on the earth. And so Father, I thank you for helping us with adjustments that we have to make on the inside, adjustments in our, our personality is even subject to you. We just don't lean back on the fact, that's just my personality. Everything is subject to change under the word and the spirit of God. Father, we ask you to help us. <laughs> when people look at us, we want them to see you. And we know that we're living here in the earth. We're living here in a place where darkness is getting grosser by the moment. But help us to be the light. Hallelujah. Help us to be the light. To not hide our light under a bushel, but Father put it out where all can see. the light that is in the earth today, the reflection of who you are. Thank you for helping us. Father, and where we didn't represent you well, where we didn't look, where people looked at us and we didn't look like you, we ask you to forgive us. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us. And Father, that is in the past and we put it, we ask you to forgive us and you throw it in the sea of forgetfulness and not remember it anymore. Help us not to remember it. And if we need to make rec a restitution or rectify it with that person, help us to do that as well. represent you well. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your ability. You have left us here as an occupying force in this world. We have your name. We have your word. We have your authority. We have your spirit. All the elements of everything we need to live here in this world. Help us to not think about just ourselves and be like Jesus. We think of the Father and we think of those that you are long awaiting for. And we thank you for it, Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.